What is going on, Katie? Que pasa? Hey, Jesse. I, I didn't realize you were bilingual. Si. <laughs> I had a, a sort of unfortunate incident yesterday. Can I can I tell you about this? Absolutely not. All right. Well, I'm going to anyway. I'm I'm going to violate your consent and do it anyway. Um. So I'm uh next week I'm going to visit my family in North Carolina for a week, and you know, like we've really sort of struggled with like whether this is a good idea or not because you know, like my parents don't like me that much, um, but I haven't seen them in a long time, and they're getting older, and you know, like I just don't think that I'm not hopeful that. The COVID situation is going to be any better a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. And so it's like, why wait? You know, like, why not? Like, I can't go five years without seeing my parents. It's like, it's, t- it's just time to go. And it would be better to do it now when we can at least be outside a little bit than to do it in like December when we're all like huddled outside under a heat lamp or something. So I'm going to go to North Carolina this week or next week. But I, uh, before I, I go, my dad wanted me to get a COVID test. Um, and the rule is like, if I don't get the COVID test, I can't come in the house and I don't want to spend a week sleeping in the yard. So yesterday I went to get a COVID test, but where I live, there's no way to just go get a COVID test. You can't like say, I'm going to visit my parents. I'm getting on an airplane. I would like a COVID test. You either have to have symptoms or you have to have an exposure before you can get a COVID test. This isn't true in Seattle. There are some like drive through locations where you can just show up and do it. But where I live, it's just like way harder to get a COVID test. Even for my wife, who's a nurse and has been has had COVID exposure, it's been hard for her to get a COVID test. Not a great system. Right. So I found a place yesterday, uh, an urgent care, like 30 minutes from my house that would give me a COVID test. But the rule is that you have to have symptoms. So I went yesterday and I already said this on Twitter. So I apologize to everybody who will be hearing this for the second time. But I went yesterday to get the COVID test. And because I needed to have symptoms in order to get the COVID test, if they asked, when they asked me if I was having symptoms, I said that I was. And they asked me what, and I said, well, I've had a headache, which is sort of true. I'd had a headache like a week ago and, um, and that my throat hurt. And so unfortunately (laughs) their response, I, they like took it very seriously. This nurse took me back into a room and she was wearing an N95 and a surgical mask. So she was double mask. She had her hair, hair up. She was wearing full glasses and a full face shield gloves. She seemed very nervous to be around me, which I understand because I told her that I might have COVID. And, uh, but they wanted to, they wanted to like do a full inspection. They didn't want to just do the COVID test. So when I told them that my throat hurt, they insisted on giving me a fucking strep test, a throat swab. So they stick that, that thing down your throat. (laughs) This is going to be very good for the, uh, blocked and reported no context. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So they stick that that thing, that stick thing, the like big Q-tip down your throat. So I didn't have a sore throat until they gave me the throat swab. So they gave, they insisted on giving me a, a, a strep test instead of the COVID test. And so I left with a sore throat and no COVID test. Anyway, I don't think I have COVID. I definitely don't have strep throat, but I will be paying for the throat culture. And now my throat, it does have a little bit of a tingle in it. So the lesson here, folks, crime doesn't pay. In New York, it's really easy to get them. Uh, I mean, that's the first of all, that's just weird that in some places it's so much easier than others. In New York, there's there's a lot of options. And I, you know, people said it was like really uncomfortable to have that thing stuck up your nose. 
I don't think it's that bad. Like in the grand scheme of, of things and the, the benefit of getting tested, people should stop whining. Have you had one? Oh, I've had a bunch. I mean, I, I, it, cause I've gone back and forth between Boston a little bit. Same worries about my parents, but, um, yeah, there's an instant one. I, they didn't charge me. So I guess my insurance covers it. And the city also has like sites all over where we can get them for free. New York does, you know, it's a, big city with a lot of people without resources. So it has good social services by some metrics. Yeah, I'm just in a small city with people without resources. So, uh, you know, nothing going on. Nothing going on here. You got to lie if you want to get health care. <sighs> I also tried to get a flu shot yesterday and wasn't able to do that because my uh, the Walgreens doesn't take my insurance. So it was going to cost me $60 to get a fucking flu shot. Someone, speaking of medical conditions, <sighs> you, you made a joke in one of our recent podcasts about not having nipples. And someone on the <laughs> a joke, a joke, right. sure. Someone on the subreddit produced some very disturbing, like fan art. It was sort of a photo, but altered. So, I guess what I'm saying is, don't go to the subreddit, anyone. <laughs> I saw this photo, and I gotta say, the uh, the breasts that they that they that they photoshopped on me were much larger than the actual ones. The nipples were right, the non-existent nipples, but the the breasts were just way bigger. Just I've, I've been gonna say, like all the fan art about me, I'm totally flat, which I really don't appreciate. <laughs> All right, Jesse, what podcast are we recording right now? This is Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single. And I'm Katie Herzog. And today, what are we talking about today? Okay, we're going to talk about Facebook's decision to ban talk of the QAnon conspiracy theory and whether that's a good thing, whether there are uh, free speech ramifications, all that good stuff. Before that, we are going to talk about Katie Hill. Jesse, do you remember Katie Hill? Is she like uh, Kate Bush, the singer? Same thing, right? Yes. Just all Katie's are the same. All Katie's. Um, so uh, Katie Hill was a – she is currently, I believe, 33 years old. She was elected to California – to the California House um, in 2018. Or not the Cali- – she was elected to the House from California. She's a California representative elected in 2018 in the wave of – that historic freshman class that included people like AOC. Um, so she did not, unfortunately for her, last long in the House. So a year after her election, the conservative blog Red State published incriminating photos, some nudes, and text showing alleging that Katie Hill had been involved in a throuple with her husband, her longtime husband, and a legislative aide, a 22-year-old legislative aide. The legislative aide was not named. Uh, she was female. Um, and the photos were – did you look at the pictures? Um, I just saw the ones of them like kissing. I didn't want to look at any of the actual nude photos because I'm a good guy. Yeah. So there were photos that were sort of G-rated, sort of soft porn. And then there was one particularly embarrassing photo where she's topless holding a bong. This presumably was in California, so not illegal, just embarrassing. Um, and so she says that she has maintained that her husband, her aggrieved, and she says abusive ex-husband, whose name is Kenny Halsip, um, leaked these to, to, to Red State. Um, but that's not all that happened. So during the the course of this of this scandal it her husband alleged that she was that the three of them had been in a consensual romantic relationship with this legislative aide but he says that she essentially broke up with both of them to um have an affair with her then financial director a guy named Graham Kelly and so that would be a violation of health ethics rules because after the me too movement i believe this was after the me too movement not not preceding um after the me too movement um the house instituted some some rules of conduct and one of those rules was you're not allowed to sleep with people on the payroll so she had Two alleged uh, alleged um, accounts of sleeping with people on the payroll. 
the first, the the 22-year-old legislative aide, and then Graham Kelly, the financial director. Um, So she has maintained that the affair with with Graham Kelly didn't happen, but the House um, decided to initiate um, a probe into her conduct. Before that happened, she quit. And she said in her resignation letter, she blamed a, quote, Misogynistic culture that gleefully consumed my naked pictures, capitalized on my sexuality, and enabled my abusive ex to continue that abuse, this time with the entire country watching. So, fast forward to August of this year. She has a book, a memoir coming out. Um, and it turns out that as of this week, it was announced that that book was going to be turned into a, um, a biopic starring Kate, uh, sorry, not Kate Moss. That would be a different movie entirely. <laughs> starring Elizabeth Moss. So, Things are looking up for Katie Hill. And then on October 6th, so we are recording this episode on October 8th, so two days ago, after it's announced that Elizabeth Moss will be starring in the picture of her life, uh, the Rep Katie Hill Twitter account, which still exists, blue checkmark and all, uh, congressional portrait and all, um, releases a 10-part Twitter thread. So, Jesse, I'm going to read you a couple of these tweets. Katie's former staff here, disappointed in so many folks, including Elizabeth Moss, and then it tags uh, the Bloomhouse Production Company and Michael Seitzman, who's the showrunner, regarding today's announcement. This is an incredibly sensitive situation. We appreciate the instinct to defend our former boss, an LGBTQ plus woman who faced abuse from her husband. What happened to Katie Hill shouldn't happen to anyone. But this moment requires more nuance as Katie Hill's story, our story, is also one of workplace abuse and harassment. Katie Hill can be both a victim and a perpetrator, and staff can experience severe consequences for speaking out against their powerful boss. No one should have to put themselves in harm's way for the public to understand a simple truth. Katie Hill is not a hero for women. We deserve heroes who embody our values even in the most difficult moments. Katie Hill was never investigated by the House Ethics Committee, nor has she been held accountable by anyone other than herself. We encourage everyone to reflect deeply before taking her word at face value. It goes on. It claims that she took advantage of her, her subordinates. She caused immense harm to the people who work for her. Um, and it finishes with enough is enough. In order to advance the Me Too movement, we must be willing to acknowledge the problematic behaviors among those in our own communities. Only then will we see true progress. Hashtag time's up. Hashtag Me Too. lot going on there. A lot going on there. So we don't know who... Um, who has the keys to representative Kate, former representative Katie Hill's tw- former Twitter account, but the rep herself, um, she, uh, also took to Twitter and she defended herself. So I'm going to, I'm going to read you her response to this. Can I just say this fits into my belief that all of these sorts of issues should be litigated only on Twitter? Absolutely. Let's just get rid of health as ethics committees and just turn to Twitter entirely. Okay. So this is her response. Thanks to all who let me know my government official Twitter account was hacked. Control of my account was immediately handed back to the House clerk when I resigned, including password changes and access restrictions. God knows who hacked it from there, reported to Twitter. Regardless of their author, the content of the hacked tweets is something I have talked about at length in my book and podcast and in countless interviews regarding my decision to resign, as well as the constant work and reflection I've done since then. I look forward to continuing to have conversations around these issues and using my platform to support women in any way possible. First question, does this count as a hack? That's a good question. I guess technically, if someone gets your password without your consent, you were hacked. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But it's not her account anymore. That's true. Well, but someone who shouldn't have had access to it, right? 
Well, we don't know. I mean, we don't know who posted this. It could be that the staffers were given access to her accounts. I don't know what happens to staffers after someone resigns. Do you know the answer to that? Uh, It's like in ancient Egypt. They're just sort of buried alive. (laughs) They're they're buried with Katie. Katie (laughs) With her career. (laughs) I know, but she said said in the thing that uh, password was changed when she handed the account back. So that suggests her staffers shouldn't still have access to it. Anyway, so we don't know who did this. We don't know if this were actual Katie Hill staffers or these are just like people on the Hill, um, someone who works in works in government who decided to like take this opportunity to um, to like throw a wrench in her in her in her movie plans. Um, what do you think about this, though? I mean, this uh, this anonymous allegation um, made from the woman's own Twitter account. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I was confused by the abusive part. It, the implication is that just by dint of the power dynamic that that this was not kosher, right? That's part of it is that, you know, she was she was having sex with people who worked for her. So under the current sort of me too, post me too rules, that's inherently abusive. I have, I think, a little bit more complicated feelings about that. I mean, there are yeah. Like people meet each other at work. It's actually kind of the easiest way to meet people. Um, unless you're like using dating apps or whatever. That's oftentimes how people have gotten into romantic relationships at work. Clearly, there can be some power imbalances here. Look at, you know, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. I don't think anybody would argue that there wasn't a power imbalance there. But we've also talked about in the past, talk about on, on prior episodes about how it isn't so cut and dry where like the, the older person always has all of the power because there are cases where you can like uh like the what was the guy in 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 massachusetts we talked about the guy running for that felt like five years ago that was alex morse it really did alex morse right so alex morse um as a brief reminder he was running i believe he lost but he was running for for uh, uh massachusetts house and there were these what turned out to be apparently false allegations against him, claiming that he had been hitting on on like younger people, essentially. Yeah. Well, he's running for U.S. Congress from Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so and we talked about we had Dan Dan Savage on the podcast, and we talked about this. And I think all three of us agreed that in a situation like that, or a situation like this, in many different situations. The power can shift according to the circumstances, right? So if you're a senator who has an affair with a 25 year old staffer. Sure, you do have the power in that you like you have more power on paper, but that staffer also has the power to ruin your ass. You have handed your power to the staffer. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'd go for it. I mean, let's say like a more um, sleazily traditional example of like, you know, a 45 year old congressman sleeping with a 25 year old legislative assistant or something. These days, in a situation like that, like honestly, which do you think is more likely in the long run that she will somehow be punished or harmed for having had the affair or that she can use that against him? I, I almost think the latter is more likely, which is maybe a good thing. You know, yeah, like we have the case of Jerry Falwell Jr., where he apparently was involved in some sort of really like extramarital relationship along with his wife um, and, a, and, a, and a younger dude. Well, when the younger dude came out, Jerry Falwell lost his job. Um, you know, it's this, it's not as cut and dry yeah. as like older, richer and, and, you know, with a, like a more powerful job automatically means that you have all the power in the relationship. Look, to 30 or even 20 years ago, absolutely. I mean, there, there are all sorts of workplace setting where women were, were treated like objects. But the, the idea that in, in 2020, a, um, you know, a younger staff involved in a sexual relationship with a superior is just helpless and has no recourse, just isn't true at all. Right. You don't even have to go to HR. You can just go directly to the press. Um, and yeah. that, you know, and that's not to say that that makes 
these relationships appropriate. I think no. that like the house making a rule that people shouldn't sleep with their ha- their staffers was probably necessary in the post Me Too era. It is sort of ironic that the person who, you know, uh, who ended up resigning from this was there were a couple men, Al Franken being one of them, although he wasn't alleged to have had any fa- had affairs with anybody, but is a woman. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was there was like there was another woman in California whose name I'm forgetting who who had similar allegations, who was like hitting on on male staffers. So this does not just affect men in power. It also affects women in power. Yeah. I will say, like, if if Blocks are reported expands and, like, you know, a year from now we have 100 people on staff, I think the first thing in our employee handbook should be you are not allowed to have any sexual relationships outside of the office. <laughs> Absolutely. And since the office will all be on Slack, you're going to be doing a lot of cybering. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean – Okay, so what's funny is these staffers who are presumably progressive are actually making the same point you saw the Federalists and other outlets make, which is if these Me Too laws, sorry, if these Me Too rules are going to be followed consistently, you know, this woman did something wrong by sleeping with a younger staffer. And I think the way the story unfolded, understandably, was because these nude photo was it one nude photo or multiple nude photos? I think there were a couple, the bong one Uh and then one where she was kissing, kissing this woman. Yeah. And you can understand. I mean, that's a very sort of um, invasive thing to have happened to you. And revenge porn is horrible. And and her ex-husband is, if he in fact leaked it, I'm not sure that was ever proven, but I think he was strongly suspected. That's a disgusting thing to do. But, you know, maybe maybe these staffers are right that she was both the victim and and by these rules that you and I don't necessarily agree with uh, an abuser. Or is that too harsh? No, I think that's I think that's fair. And the 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 tweet thread by the anonymous staffer doesn't um doesn't, you know, specify what sort of advantage she took of her subordinates. You know, and we could assume that this is about just the extramarital affairs, but maybe there's something else going on there. Maybe she was a shitty boss outside of the fact that she was sleeping with her with her staffers. Yeah. Have you ever done like a uh, a workplace romance type thing? Not in a way that I would like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I like like when I was like working in coffee shops, you know. Oh, yeah, um, that's like yeah, part yeah. of the course. It is, and that's one of the things about like about me too. Like, did you see Cat Rosenfield's um, uh, advice column today in Persuasion? I did not. So, so, so our friend Cat Rosenfield. So she has a new advice column um, at Yasha Monk's uh, newsletter, Persuasion. And someone wrote in and asked, um, you know, like, is it okay to to ask a waitress out, not a colleague, but a waitress? And Cat had a, you know, I think a, a good answer for this for this this letter writer, but. The fact that that even is a question really shows how much the dynamics have changed in terms of when it is appropriate to ask someone out and when it is not. Yeah. Um, and, and not that like people in the service industry should have to be, have to like put up with people on hitting on them. Um, but it's also true that like within workplaces, especially workplaces that tend to be more like working class. Re- I've worked in a lot of restaurants. I've worked in a lot of cafes. There's a hell of a lot of sex going yeah. on. Um, you know, that's just, that's sort of part of the dynamic. And mostly because I think, you know, it, it attracts a certain like age group of people who are working there and it tends to be young, horny people. Right. And what is the house if not the coffee shop of American democracy? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, will you be watching, uh, the Elizabeth Moss biopic? No. it's like i just no i'm sorry i feel bad i feel like i'm supposed to say yes but like uh the no there's no are you 
I mean, I might watch the movie when it comes out, depending on how little else I have in my life going on at, at the time. But I do think there is something a bit hypocritical about, you know, a biopic. Presumably, this is one that's going to be flattering. Um, I read, I don't know if this is true, but I read that she's a producer on the movie. Um, so if that's true, and it's just this like a, a story of her being a victim and not of her also being a perpetrator, I think it's pretty fucked up. You know, that said, if it's like an investigation into what really happened, I would be more interested in it. Yeah. Um, I um yeah it it's a weird uh it's a weird situation and I completely just forgot what I was going to say so good segue for me Well Jesse Oh wait no uh, wait I remember now I remember now I also I I have to say going back and rereading the coverage biphobia has been a central focus of this podcast <laughs> this podcast was was founded to fight biphobia which is one of the no, most. No, it was not. Phobias. It was it. It was founded to perpetrate biphobia. <laughs> to fight and perpetrate, depending on the circumstances. I did like. I there's obviously a lot of remaining anti-gay and even more anti-trans sentiment in the U.S. The idea that this whole scandal was really about the fact that like one two people in the throuple were women. I just I didn't really buy that. Am I being? dumb i don't i don't really think biphobia was a major factor here i didn't see any biphobia at all i mean even like red state the the blog that put out the that released these incriminating photos and text messages they didn't like it didn't seem i mean maybe it was a little bit more salacious because her affair was with a woman but no i didn't i didn't see any biphobia coming out of that i I think i did experience a little homophobia yesterday when i was at the doctor's office Oh no! What happened? Yeah, so uh, this do- this like person at a at the doctor's office asked me for my marital status, and then asked me if I said I was married, and then she asked if I want my husband to be like my emergency contact, and I said, "Oh, my wife." And she like kind of looked at me like like I had three heads, which was funny because like I'm like I look I'm wearing like a baseball hat and like a basically like a fucking little league jersey. You should have been like, "Girl, I'm the husband." <laughs> If only I were, if only I were. My wife does all the killing of the bugs and uh, slaughtering of the rats in our household, but, you know. How many rats do you have in your household? <laughs> Just the one. Okay. Well, it sounds like it was slaughtered, so I'm glad you resolved that. She's the man in the household, I will say. All right. Have we said enough about Katie Hill? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, I don't want to sort of broadcast a lack of sympathy over the revenge porn. Again, that, that's violating. That's terrible. But, uh, you know, it's hard. I just read the staffer's tweet and it of course has some of the sort of like uh language is just weird i don't know i don't know if it's this vague. is abusive right yeah it's vague but like again if we're all playing by the same rules i think it's a, a fair enough point to make yeah that was the thing that really annoyed me about the katie hill episode in the first place when this first broke was that she was really pegged as a victim and she is a victim i mean if if her husband indeed uh you know sent this revenge porn to red state that is for sure that she's a victim of that um but you know it also sounds like she was a terrible boss who was sleeping with her employees and kind of an asshole i i think the one time that i wanted to hit on a waitress or like ask her out i literally i literally failed to successfully do so like i wasn't i wasn't competent enough i'm shocked jesse <laughs> It was uh, I was in Philadelphia on a reporting story and I was feeling pretty high on my horse because it just like the reporting had gone well. Uh, I got that sweet per diem and I was like, I just went out to eat somewhere. And then I think I ended up I like didn't say anything to indicate that I don't remember what I did. I just remember leaving dinner, not even sure if I had successfully communicated 
to the waitress that I wanted to get a drink with her, which is like, <laughs> so she's just like, <laughs> I don't think she got it. Did she just bring you another drink? Yeah. And it, well, I think like maybe I like, I mentioned being a journalist and like left my card with the, with the check, but not having said anything like, cause I, I'm so nervous. Uh, I mean, I'm like, as you know, I'm an incredibly competent converse, conversator, but I'm, I'm like, I'm very weird about like, I don't, I do understand that women like get hit on all the time and I don't want to come across as like at all, um, you know, that creepy, especially I think if you're a larger man, you're like, you know, I'm, t- I'm big. So yeah, I wish I could like watch that conversation as I tried to muddle my way through an interaction. Most men would have no, um, no problem with, but, uh, yeah, not my best moment. I find that I've, I don't think I've ever hit on a woman in a situation like that, but I do find anytime I have like a medical appointment, like this doctor that I saw yesterday, anytime I go to the dentist, I turn into the most, it's not even on purpose. I turn into the biggest fucking flirt. <laughs> hey, buy me a drink first. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I, I should get me too just for what I say to doctors when I'm at a, I'm at a doctor appointment. <laughs> I also like to, anytime I have to get a vaccine or a flu shot, I like to make lots of jokes about, is this going to give me late onset autism? It goes over really well. That's a that's adorable. Yeah. That'll go over really well on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Should we <laughs> should we move on? Yes, let's move on. Okay, so the other thing we want to talk about this week was um QAnon, which this is a conspiracy theory you are a true believer in, correct? Indeed. I I'm I am Q, actually. I'm Q. <laughs> she is Q. You heard it here first. QAnon is uh this deranged conspiracy theory birthed on 4chan, which is where Basically, everything bad comes from, but also some pretty good memes, to be fair. And it is this idea that Donald Trump is trying to fight a cabal of Satanists and pedophiles. And, and what happens- uh, not just Satanists and pedophiles, cannibalists or cannibals. cannibalists. <laughs> cannibalists uh, and gamers, gamers, too. And gamers. Uh, that part's real. Right. So this was like sort of an outgrowth of some of the stuff we saw with Pizzagate, which was a conspiracy theory involving pedophiles and Hillary Clinton. So basically a person or people who call themselves Q, indicating Q level security clearance, they will post uh, Q drops or breadcrumbs to to 4chan, which is this anonymous uh, just image and text board. And this is just deranged stuff. It, it is. Um, I'm not meaning to denigrate people with mental illness, but it reads like stuff you'd see from people with sort of schizophrenia where they're like seeing patterns in numbers and, and over extrapolating from innocent statements people have said. And QAnon has, it's not, most people don't know what QAnon is. Hardly anyone believes in it, but in certain corners of the internet, it has attracted these like very fervent groups of conspiracy theorists who, who believe that Trump is trying to take down a deep state conspiracy of, of pedophiles and Satanists and cannibals. And, and in a few outlying incidents this has actually led to sort of um threats of real world violence right yeah the violence is really pretty limited for the amount of sort of attention q gets um so i was looking into this yesterday and i think the the so there's there was uh pizzagate pizzagate preceded q but during pizzagate it had the sort of the same vibe a guy from north carolina home state um I love it when North Carolina is in the news, drove up to Washington, D.C., and he he brought a gun into this pizza place called uh, Comet Ping Pong, and he was trying to um, 
trying to like rescue these non-existent children from their non-existent basement and he ended up going to jail nobody was harmed but still like terrifying thing to happen the gun was the gun was discharged though i think accidentally which is I mean, oh someone yeah really could have been killed yeah um so that's bad um and he i i think after that i think the guy had had like a real awakening and <laughs> said like okay what the fuck what the fuck was i thinking um so so there was that that was sort of the really famous one it did of course proceed and that, and that was the pizza right yeah that was, that was the pizza, pizza game. Game one so besides that there was a guy i believe he was from nevada he was arrested for driving an armored truck he had an ar-15 and a handgun he drove it to the the hoover dam and he blocked traffic for 90 minutes while demanding that the fbi release some uh probably fictional report about hillary clinton's emails um there was a guy a member of the gambino crime family was murdered by um by a guy a staten island man who uh who thought that this guy frank Kelly, um this mobster was in the deep state there were there have been a couple of kidnappings by Q people, but these kidnappings are um, it, it's like parents who who are Q believers kidnapping their own children during custody right. disputes. So it's not like they're stealing children off the street. They're they're like taking their own their own children. They just happen to be Q people. Um, so there's a few things like that. Besides the one murder, I don't think that there are any other deaths attributed to QAnon, as far as I'm aware. Um, but it is it is like a, a, a very fucking weird conspiracy. They think that that Trump, as you mentioned, is going to, you know, like literally save the world in this event that they call the storm. And um, when the storm happens, like thousands of, of pedophiles will be arrested and sent to Guantanamo Bay. And then and not all Q people believe this, but this is sort of a subset of, of, of Q crazies. And then uh, there's going to be this like terrible war on Earth and then peace will reign upon the Earth. So it's this weird like mix of satanic panic plus doomsday shit plus MAGA Trump obsession. Uh, so it's very strange. And a lot of people believe it. I I know a guy who's a who's a Q a Q supporter. It's surprising. He's a a, a famous whitewater kayaker, one of the best whitewater kayakers in Damn. in the world. And he has turned his like his his Instagram account, which used to be just like him running waterfalls, into a Q account. Um, and uh, he'll probably get banned soon because Facebook announced this week that they will be banning. Um, Q accounts from like pages, groups, and also Instagram that are like devoted to to QAnon. Yeah, which is which is well, I mean, I should say okay. So uh, statistically, it's not not a lot of people believe in it. It's just given how crazy it is, it's surprising how many do. Right. 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 Because there's no apparent victims of this. Like QAnon. One of the things that concerns me about QAnon is that. There are these shades of satanic panic, right? It, politically, it's very different. Politically, it's very right wing, whereas satanic panic during the 80s and 90s was a little bit more my, more bipartisan. It's still like we know what happened. Like during satanic panic, thousands of people went to jail for crimes that didn't occur, crimes they didn't commit. Q isn't that because Q doesn't have the institutional support that these satanic panic proponents did. Like, you know, they were like – feminist uh clergy therapist law enforcement yeah. the legal system we're all behind that q isn't that so there has been uh there've been a couple of republicans uh, like elected to congress recently or uh, appear to be about to they like won their primaries and will probably be elected to congress who i think there's two or three um who are q supporters and that's disturbing, but this still is not like 1980s, 1990s, thousands of people getting arrested uh, for these non-existent crimes. The thing that's that's 
com- the commonality here is that in both cases, like there are no actual victims. Right. Um, during Satanic Panic, these people thought they were victims because like there was this whole repressed memory phenomenon and there were lots of children claiming to have been the victims of these really crazy outlandish crimes. This doesn't even have the children who are making the claims. Right. And and the other big thing that happened, uh, which I actually argued in my newsletter, people were overstating this, but Trump was asked about QAnon and gave sort of a a waffling answer that yeah. some took as like a, a partial endorsement of it. I think if you actually go back and read the transcript closely, it was just Trump being Trump and barely knowing what he was talking about. But it's definitely true that yeah. some Q people could like take that as a sign the president is on their side. Although by that same to- token, if Trump denounced them, they would treat that as evidence because he's just trying to absolutely like, like they're they're yeah. true conspiracy theorists. So yeah, they parse his language for these like hints. Um, and anything he says, it's like vague enough so that anything he could, anything he says reinforces their, the beliefs that they already have. Yes. It's just, it's confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so Q, as you said, it was started on 4chan. Um, so, but now there's this other list, like ecosystem has, has popped up, um, to house these Q, Q drops. That's what they call them. And Q, as you said, is, is supposed to be this person, and I think it's probably a series of people who is like some military intelligence offer with Q level security, who instead of just like going to the press or coming out and saying like this, you know, these like international cabal of pedos exist, is instead relying on internet randos to like do his digging for him. Um, so I, I want to read you some of these Q, uh, Q drops. So this is uh, a website called Q, qalerts.app. And this is just like when I come up on it here, just the first ones I read. And, and before you read these, so, we should just say we, you and I believe these are all completely true. That's the position Absolutely. of the podcast. Yes. This is now a QAnon podcast. Okay. So here's just the first one that comes up. This is in all caps. Shadow president, shadow government, information warfare, irregular warfare, color re- revolution, insurgency, Q. Here's another one. Why did Paul Ryan refuse? And then uh, it says block. I'm not sure what that means. All subpoena requests by our committee chairs. What is the going rate for the Speaker of the House to obstruct congressional investigations for the purposes of delaying or eliminating its findings? Why did Paul Ryan initially refuse to, to be the Speaker? What is coming? What did Paul Ryan retire at such a young age? So I guess they're implicating Paul Ryan in this. Um, here's another one. How much was McCain paid to peddle the Steele dossier? What is the going rate for a, ni- a ni- United States senator to knowingly push false, unverified intel to the Q- uh, to the FBI? FBI. Q. Can music be healing? Q. And then there's a link here to a YouTube video. And the like the image says two steps from hell legend. And let's just let's just see what it sounds like. Oh, man, this is very like a final battle in a fantasy epic type. Apparently, the band is called Freedom Fighters. The song is called Two Steps from Hell or something like that. Well, that's because pedophiles are two steps from hell and the Freedom Fighters are trying to save the children. Yeah, totally. So it just it's like it's it's nonsense. It just comes across as as utter nonsense. You, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is is do you remember um I you might not remember this. I was sort of writing about it for New York magazine at the time, but uh during the WikiLeaks thing in the run up to the election, people would take these like out of context snippets from John Podesta's emails and completely mm-hmm. misunderstand them and build grand conspiracy theories around them. So like uh, one, there was one email about polling that talks about oversampling black voters, if memory serves, which is just a, it's just a polling term. It means getting a bigger sample of black voters for more statistical power, basically, and ask them more questions. People are like, oh my God, they're, they're lying in the polling. I feel like whoever Q is or whoever they are, 
they understand that people are so paranoid and in some cases just not smart that if you just like drop these like these loaded words people will just build grand conspiracy theories around them yeah and the podesta emails are what led to pizzagate i believe um there was like i don't know why but they like they like read pedophilia into every line of his emails um so okay so there's been a lot of a lot of like speculation about how about who q is exactly and um did you listen to the reply all about this i haven't yet but they basically think uh or pj vote thinks he he pinned down who it is right well, I don't want to give PJ too much credit because it was other reporters um, working on this show. So he or working uh, in this space. Oh, you're also just mad. You're also just mad. He blocked. It wasn't PJ who blocked me. It was Alex. But yes, I am mad about that. Uh, um, okay. So, which is weird because I'm a little bit of an Alex. You know? <laughs> How are you an Alex? Well, be, okay. In one of their shows, they Alex said that he sits down when he showers, and I do the same thing. I remember that episode. It was funny. You sit down while you shower. Yeah, I like sort of like take a nap while I shower. <laughs> Well, also their dynamic is it's like one guy is like sort of, um, you know, more sexy. The other sort of nerdy or you're definitely the more nerdy, less put together one. I'm just sort of, as we've said before, more of a sex symbol. Yes, I'm the chubby bald one. <laughs> so anyway, so I so I hate to recommend this episode because one of the hosts blocked me, but I actually do recommend it. Um, so they went and they interviewed a bunch of people who've been who've been uh like trying to figure out who Q is including a guy who uh who was there sort of for the beginning of of the the evolution of QAnon and the current theory is that it's this guy this American expat named Jim Watkins who lives in the Philippines who's sort of a sleazy businessman um but i think what like right now Q has evolved so much so that there are probably lots of people acting as Q there's not just one person but this guy Jim Watkins apparently the theory is that he sort of holds the keys to the main Q account yeah um so uh so Facebook bans Q and this is the question is this a good thing is this a bad thing Jesse what do you think yeah I mean I, so I think this is really complicated um just to get the, the easy stuff out of the way, Facebook has no obligation to host anything. It's a, a private company, albeit one that serves an outsized role in our, our cultural and political conversations. I can understand why a conspiracy theory as deranged as this one and as potentially harmful as this one, Facebook would just be like, we don't want someone to do what they almost did at Comet Ping Pong. And then have it be because it it came from one of our groups. I completely get that. The question of whether stuff like this. Well, okay. let me ask you about that first. Do do you think am I missing the point in terms of saying this isn't much of a free speech issue, at least? It's not a First Amendment issue. Um, No, but but free speech can be more. I mean, we've both said. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. No, I, I mean, I think it is a sort of culture of free speech issue. Um, and, you know, the question is, there's a, well, there's a couple of questions. Maybe we should just like, like, steel man the arguments for and against deplatforming um, QAnon. Yeah. The steel man argument for deplatforming QAnon is that this is already a conspiracy theory that has come close to causing violence or, or maybe caused a little violence, depending on how you, you know, attribute uh, certain people's violent behavior. And, Facebook is doing a service by making it harder for that conspiracy theory to spread. You you sent me a, an interesting Vice article by Jason Kobler, who I think is the editor of of Motherboard, their tech vertical, and I thought he gave a pretty fair summary of the evidence that um, when you ban someone from a big site like Facebook or Instagram, it, 
most of their followers just sort of find other stuff to do, like, or, or most of the conspiracy theorist believers find other stuff to do. It's not like everyone is now going to go to wherever QAnon sets up shop next because people Gab or whatever. Yeah, people online are, are pretty lazy. And I think the average person who follows Q, you know, is, is maybe a middle aged person who spends too much time on Facebook, but isn't hugely tech savvy. Otherwise, um, I'm. I'm sympathetic to that view because both you and I have seen that people are lazy. Like people who are outraged at us will will tweet at us endlessly, but never send us an email. There's just like when you they when, won't even join our Patreon. They won't even join our Patreon. <laughs> when you make it a little bit harder for people to get some sort of information, that stymies a lot of them, right? It, it does. You know, there are examples where deplatforming works, and the article, the Vice piece we we're talking about, specifically talked about people, um, not movements. And so I yeah. think there is a little bit of a difference there. You know, and in some cases, you could say, like, well, deplatform, like, uh, let's take Alex Jones. Has Alex Jones lost followers since he was deplatformed from a bunch of outlets? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm guessing probably if you can't watch it's him. On- no, I think. I think the evidence we have is that it's really hurt him and like Milo Yiannopoulos was really hurt. Whatever you think of the fairness of these bandits. I think Megan yeah. Murphy's an almost a better example because she was deplatformed for Twitter for um, – she said like men are not women or something. And she, it, it was like kind of a crazy thing because Megan Murphy has a history of, of misgendering people. But the reason she got in this case like finally de- deplatformed from Twitter was because she misgendered Jonathan Yaniv – Jessica Yaniv, who's a Canadian who – this is like such a shit show. Oh, to God. not go too yeah. far into it is a, a, a Canadian trans woman who like went by Jonathan in her profile and had been uh, accused um, and ended up like having some legal battles of some like really like pretty nasty shit. Yes, we won't go, yes. we won't go too much into Jessica and Eve, but Google it if you have nothing else to do today. But so Megan Murphy was banned from Twitter. And I do think this has taken a major hit on Megan's career. You just like, you kind of disappear when you're not, when you can't be seen by the people. And, um, yeah. And well, I mean, there are other examples of, of movements or ideas being banned from major platforms, like in that same neighborhood, uh, the gender critical subreddit, gender critical feminism. Totally. You know, basically argues that women are women by dint of their biology, that trans women aren't women, which are these are incredibly offensive ideas They're in progressive spaces. They're viewed as almost Hitler-esque. For better or worse, I, these are also beliefs a, beliefs a lot of people hold. So that question of the slippery slope to the point where Reddit is banning communities where if you like polled Americans on the basic tenets of those communities, you, you might get a majority answer. The question is whether whether. That is like down the slippery slope from something like banning Q. I just think Q is such a different case. Well, okay. So yes, the gender critical subreddit is a great example. I think a better example of this slippery slope would be, so they, they banned the, the gender critical subreddit. They also banned the detransition subreddit. And then they brought it back, but they did, they did. Ban- oh, did yeah, they? they okay. It. They did bring it back. Okay. Which I thought was egregious because it's a support group. Um, you know, and lots of like support groups for pedophiles have also been banned. In that case, I think it's a bad thing because these support groups are actually designed for the most part to prevent people from abusing children, not to enable it. Um, but there is like, that's one of my concerns about this is this these slippery slopes where a company like Facebook really does have the power to control the conversation, which I'm not really comfortable with. My problem with this is that it will not be applied evenly at all. So Facebook can say that they're banning Q because they're spreading conspiracy, they're spreading conspiracies or misinformation, or because there's some 
inherent violence um, within this ideology. I don't know if the if that's if that's fair, considering how little violence has actually been perpetrated by Q people at least at least until this point. That's not to say that there couldn't be a Q militia forming somewhere. It's possible, but we haven't seen that yet. Uh, at the same time, is Facebook ever going to take down? People who spread the misinformation that the average, that the life expectancy of the, tra- of a trans woman is 35, or that there is an epidemic of white supremacist police killings. Yeah. I mean, but those aren't the same. Those are like. I mean, it's not the same in terms of a, of a conspiracy. Well, it's misinformation, right? Sort of. Yeah. The, the average trans person, uh, life expectancy one is just basically a made up misinterpreted statistic. Um, I wouldn't want Facebook, you know, if someone thinks there's a spate of, of white supremacist police violence, you know, there, there are discrepancies where more black people get killed in numbers disproportionate to the, to their population. So like, I, that's exactly the kind of thing where I don't want Facebook litigating whether or not, I, I don't think something like that should be anywhere near bannable. No, I agree with you. But if this is, if that's misinformation and Q is also misinformation, why should, you know, what actually has a bigger impact on American culture right now? This, uh, this idea that, that police killings are all related to white supremacy or that there's a cabal of, of sex pests and pedophiles in the deep state. Well, it's like, what does it mean? To say all police killings are related to white supremacy. That's just, there's so much room for interpretation there. Whereas with QAnon, you are positing like some crazy shit about, about powerful figures. And I mean, I, I guess I'd have to think about why I just, yeah, I guess I don't buy the comparison. Maybe, maybe I naively think that you can cordon off certain conspiracy theories as so gonzo and beyond the pale and you can safely just cordon those off one by one without it affecting things like you know whether or not white supremacy explains police shootings like holocaust denial i'm sure gets routinely banned from facebook and i you know i i'm i don't have a problem with that frankly i don't want that shit to spread i mean to me it's just it's not that different from like flat earthers do you think flat earthers should be banned from facebook no but this is this is my thing i'm having trouble coming up with my own coherent standard. I don't think flat earthers really do much harm. How much harm do Holocaust deniers do? Like in a, in a real material sense? I think they can do a lot. I mean, do they do a lot now? No, it's just one of those movements I don't want to spread. Sure, sure. I mean, I think that that makes sense. I And I agree with you. But I also, if you want to take like, all right, let's compare Q to Antifa. Who has really done more like property, more actual material harm in the United States? Like Antifa, over the past year? Obviously. Do you yeah. think that Facebook or Twitter should ban Antifa accounts? No. I don't either. Because, okay, so there's different standards. Is the standard, you're right. I was the one who brought up harm. This is getting very philosophical. I had brought up harm. I don't think the standard is actually harm. Because if the standard was harm, there's a million things you would ban before QAnon. Totally. Like, 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 I mean, just the, the amount of, of misinformation about health, about vaccines, about things. Like, I mean, they have anti-vax yeah. groups that have hundreds of thousands of people. And one of the problems here is that, like, when you, like, all right, so I'm on Instagram and I follow a couple of, like, um, like health, I would call them health hoaxers, but they're just, like, naturopath, kind of holistic, like, health people who I think happen to be, are full of shit, but I like looking at their content because it's kind of funny to me. It's more anthropo- anthropological than anything. If I'm like engaging with one of these accounts on uh, on Instagram and I and I like go to it and I look at it, well, the next thing that comes up on my feed, this happened yesterday, 
could be an account saying, you know, with like listing all of the chemicals that are in that are in vaccines and saying like these are, you know, this is the problem with vaccines, an anti-vax account. So it's not just that they're like letting these groups proliferate on the internet. To me, the bigger issue is that they're feeding you the content. I didn't like I'm not actually asking for anti-vax content, but by engaging with other anti-vax accounts, they're giving me anti-vax content. Yeah. I mean, I think what it comes down to is like Facebook and Twitter are just pretty horrible and are net negatives for humanity. And they're trying to mitigate some of the damage they're doing. And we might have to try to content ourselves with the fact that like there's never going to be a consistent standard. And it's sort of going to be what what I don't like is like whatever is the fixation of sort of like the people who run everything at a given moment. I do think QAnon has gotten more um, – has uh, raised up more fears than it deserves because it's not that influential, despite those those few incidents. So it's like, I guess that's what worries me the most is just like what decisions these decision makers are going to make. And, and you know, going back to the gender critical thing, I think stuff like that needs to be, to a certain extent, hashed out in the open. I don't think QAnon needs to be hashed out in the open. I But yeah, if you give them power to make decisions like this and that becomes the norm, who knows how they're going to use it, you know, down the road. Well, I think that's another another point against banning QAnon is the out in the open nature, right? If they're on Facebook, you can join these groups and you can see what's going on. If that disappears, well, if they go to some like more like underground dark web community and I don't think the majority of Q followers are going to do this. Um, but it's not out in the open anymore where people can see it. And the the other my other concern about this is that it's just it is going to serve as confirmation to people who already believe in Q that they are right and that they're being oppressed. It definitely will. Because obviously the only reason Facebook would shut them down is because they have something to hide. Yeah, Facebook's run it, you know, Facebook pedophilia, Mark Zuckerberg, blah blah blah. Um well look, so it, the some of these questions are unanswerable. Would you rather have a world with, you know, 2 million people talking about QAnon openly on Facebook or with 250,000 much more radical ones talking about it in underground forums? And I don't I don't genuinely know which one is better, which one's more likely to lead to violence. I do I do think this will crimp the movement and and halt its spread a little, which is good, but there's all these bigger questions we haven't started to really address about the power we want to give moderators and just just the totally arbitrary decisions they make and the fact that they often you know don't do so in an even-handed way there are cases where i can i totally agree that facebook should can and should use their power to to shut groups down like uh you know um in in Myanmar, when the the military was like for years was using Facebook to spread propaganda Awful. against the Rohingya minority, and you know, and like I was reading up about this yesterday, and then I'm like, I've become such a skeptic about media. I'm thinking like, did this really happen? What this is this is the problem, um, you know. So, but let's just assume for a moment that everything that we read about that was true. Well, then yeah, Facebook was responsible, or at least indirectly complicit, perhaps, in uh, you know rape and murder and you know actual genocide against an ethnic minority absolutely i think that if something like that is happening facebook should shut it the fuck down but well but but that's that's a tough stance for you to take because you also don't think ben shapiro should be shut down and yet there's a lot of slightly hysterical people on our side who believe that like stuff that ben shapiro says leads directly to violence Sure. I mean, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right about that. I would have to see some, you know, some case where Ben Shapiro, something that Ben Shapiro has said has actually led to violence. I I think the New Zealand shooter had, among many Uh, other people, listened to Ben Shapiro. But that's sort of silly because, like, I'm sure there's 
violent left-wing people who have listened to Chapo Trap House. That doesn't mean Chapo right. Trap House caused them. Yeah. Right. There was the guy who shot up the like the Republican baseball practice. He was a Bernie Sanders fan. Does that mean right. Bernie Sanders is is responsible for um you know for his uh for his crimes? Absolutely not. No. I mean, I guess one of the things that society as a culture we need to grapple with is what is driving people to these movements in the first place you know and i think disconnection probably has a lot to do with it um the lack of yeah distrust in distrust elites. In elites the lack of community in real life yeah i don't know do you have any ideas for people with your your extensive knowledge of human psychology about what an appropriate way to try to deprogram someone who believes in in QAnon would be oh god no i mean i i think we know more about what doesn't work than what does i i think what you're getting at of like trying to figure out what they get from these groups it is so much more common for these groups to provide um, a level of support and community and i think some of this was captured well in the New York Times podcast Rabbit Hole, which is partly about QAnon. People act like people like get ideologically converted to these causes. It's much more about finding friends, finding a place to hang out online. And purpose. So, and purpose, absolutely. Um, that's part of the reason like I, I do not you should not be judgmental, you should not be like, you moron, how could you believe in that? Yeah, QAnon doesn't work. No, you, you think QAnon people are unaware of the fact that like everyone thinks they're idiots? I mean, they probably relish yeah. in that feeling a little bit. So yeah, don't be judgmental. Try to figure out what it is the group is providing. And like, honestly, just, you know, I think in many cases, the best you can do is just steer them to a less radical version of the same thing. Like, I'd rather have someone like in Ben Shapiro forums than QAnon forums to take that example. Yeah, I was looking into this yesterday and there's lots of, you know, like psych today blogs about how to try to help deprogram people. And one thing that, that, that I read was, um, was like, you know, Exactly that. Like try to redirect people into something more positive. So not Ben Shapiro, but if someone is really concerned about human trafficking, you know, direct them to an organization working with victims of human trafficking. Unfortunately, a lot of those organizations <laughs> as we talked about in our episode with Elizabeth Nolan Brown are also full of shit. Um, there is a, if anybody is like actually dealing with this in your, in your real life and you have people, either you're a Q believer or you have, um, you have people you care about who have sort of, uh, you know, um, fallen into this rabbit hole. There's a Reddit called QAnon Casualties that I was looking at yesterday that's, that does have a lot of people talking about this and might have some good advice for you. Um, unfortunately, I don't know that there is a good way to like de-radicalize people who don't want to be de-radicalized. And that is not just in the matter of Q, but like if I could convince all of my friends who believe in astrology that astrology is bullshit, I would have done it a long time ago. There was this legendary thread by by someone, I think some like resistance Twitter person about it's like it was like if your son is falling down some like white nationalist or incel rabbit hole, here's how to de-radicalize him. And it was literally like watch John Oliver with them. <laughs> Teach them the difference between punching up and punching down and why punching up is inappropriate. I'll try to find this thread, but it was like, I think it was written by someone who is like a part of Q and is trying to drive uh, kids toward it. Uh -huh. There was also, there was a New York Times piece a couple years ago, maybe last year, a mom wrote it about her son's, like how he, her son was like watching Jordan Peterson videos. Oh yeah. Was that Washingtonian or was that New York Times? There might've been multiple. Okay. That was New York Times. Her son was watching. Oh no. Yeah. And she was like talking about and, like one of her sons like laughed at an off-color joke or something like that and she and this woman acted like this was like her son was joining isis uh, the, the level of like moral panic over like 
obviously there's some scary corners of online, but like the incel panic and to a certain extent, the QAnon panic is like these people are crazy, but they're not that many of them. And I think, I think some of the coverage that like endlessly drives conversation to the subject is going to bring people to QAnon who will fall down that rabbit hole. Absolutely. I think the media has done more to spread QAnon than Q has done to spread QAnon at this point. <sighs> On that happy note, was there anything else we wanted to discuss? Okay. There was one more thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to read you a, a couple paragraphs from an article that I saw in the Hollywood Reporter yesterday. Citigroup Inc. reportedly fired a manager in its technology department after an investigation found that he operated a prominent website dedicated to QAnon. Blah, 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 blah. In a statement, Citi confirmed that uh, this guy is no longer with the company and added that employees are required to abide by his code of conduct. This includes disclosing and obtaining permission for outside business activity. What do you think about that, Jesse? I guess it just it becomes a public relations issue for them. I, I assume he wasn't bringing Q conspiracy theorizing to work. I'm I'm like inherently very skeptical of, of firing people over even gonzo outside political activities. Uh, and I've been depressed at how much of a pro firing people turn a lot of people on the left have taken lately. But it's just it does become a PR thing. And, and I, you know, I understand why a corporation is not going to respond with much backbone. Yeah, it just seems like. It's just designed to make this guy turn more into his conspiracy. Yeah, but then he won't be their problem anymore. That is true. That's the thing. He won't be their problem anymore. He will be everybody else's problem. Come come listen to Blocked and Reported. We can provide you community fire yes. you guy. Especially if you join the Patreon. Then you have a whole, whole <laughs> cast of characters to speak with yourself. That's $5 a month more worth of community than the free version. <laughs> All right, Jesse, anything else? Nope. As always, you can email us, blossomreportedpodcast at gmail.com. We got the subreddit. Uh, just Google us. Spread the word. Spread the gospel. We're like QAnon, but better and smarter. Wait, what was that? Sorry, I just blacked out for a second. What'd you say? <laughs> that happens a lot when I'm talking. <laughs> this has been Blocked Reported. I'm Jesse Single. And remember, always remember to explore the power differentials of any workplace thruple you enter into. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, only the illusion of democracy. Only the illusion for the people. For the first time in a long time, our POTUS stands with and for the people. All assets deployed. Cue. <laughs>